I'm going to read to you just 11 verses from Romans 5. We've been going through the book of Romans. I don't know if you're like me. The older I get, the more often I need to stop when I'm on a journey. So there was a time when we were much younger and our kids were young that we'd um, travel from places like Whitley Bay to Plymouth or Glasgow to Plymouth and we would make that journey and we decided because we didn't like that little phrase that children use from about five minutes after the trip started are we there yet we hated that phrase it became very wearing all right so what we decided to do was we would always leave late in the evening and put the kids in the back put them in their onesies and they'd fall asleep in the back of the car. And I, Liz would fall probably asleep next to me. That's when I wasn't falling asleep driving, um, which I did on one occasion. And just woke up in time at that bridge that goes over to Gordano Services. Um, but uh, I had to pull in and have a kit. But other than that, most of the time I could drive from Whitney Bay to Plymouth in one go without a stop. And I could drive from Glasgow to Plymouth without a stop. Now, I have to stop regularly. I probably have to plan every two hours, but probably need it every hour just to get out and stretch my legs because I notice that when I hit the two-hour point and get out, it's sort of, oh. So, but we're on a journey through Romans and we're approaching a stop. And so I'm going to share with you from here this morning. Therefore, 5.1, it says, Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have, we have, not we will, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. What we have sung about this morning standing in his grace and because of that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God not only that but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, I love that phrase, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for it. I love that verse. I love that verse. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved 
by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. We've been journeying through Romans, and the first four chapters are pretty heavy going, to be perfectly honest. I'm sure the Christians in Rome found it pretty heavy going because they were all at different places in their life. They came from different backgrounds and they all believed themselves to be in a place where they were quite all right with God, only to receive Paul's letter and get a bit of a wake-up call. We talked recently about how there were the different types there of people, those who just totally ignored God. Well, they probably weren't bothered anyway. You know, they were ignoring God. They weren't really that interested. And Paul tells us the travel that takes place, how we come to become sinful and sinners and live in that sinfulness. When we stop and we exclude God from the picture and we live and make ourselves the God of our picture, then we go in a downward slope. And we looked and we talked and I said to you at the time and I'll say again, I wasn't going to deal with the issue of Christian sexuality in that passage because, you know, it, it's, it's one thing but it's listed among many others. And some of those things we may be able to identify with. And then there was the group who thought and looked at the things that Paul said and took the attitude, well, we're not as bad as that. (laughs) The ones who thought they were better than everybody else. The moralizers. And so they thought that they, this was not applicable to them. And then there were those who were Jews, who who genuinely believed because of who they were, their race, that was enough. And Paul blows a hole in the bottom of the boat and says, none of that is enough. None of it is enough. Unless you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ you will not know what it means to be justified. A simple um, explanation of justification is just as if I'd never sinned. So that when God the Father looks at me, his wrath is dissipated. His wrath towards sin is dissipated because he sees me in Jesus. And I have been clothed, not with my own righteousness, but with the righteousness of Christ. So, there's been a bit of hard work getting through to this point. And when we hit this point, it's like Paul takes a breath. And the only way I can describe it to you is, I don't know, how many of you have ever been up Glastonbury Tor, just out of interest? Anybody been up Glastonbury Tor? I haven't, all right? But I have climbed up other things, like in the Lake District, you know, and Yorkshire and stuff. And you know if you're going to go up those things, even if you're super, super fit, actually, the longer you're walking, the harder the climb gets, because your body is working hard, isn't it? 
But there is something amazing when you get to the pinnacle of the thing that you're climbing, whether it be a small hill or whether it be a tor or a fell or even a mountain. When you reach the top, there is something tremendous about it. There's a sense of arrival for a start off. I've arrived. I've achieved that which I set off to do. I've arrived. I'm here. And you sort of, all the hard work of getting up there, all of a sudden begins to dissipate because you've arrived. And then, providing it's a clear day, of course, you cast your eye around and you are given this beautiful vista of scenery and landscape in front of you as it unfolds out in front of you. And some places are absolutely breathtaking. Liz and I, just before the, well, in the autumn, we, we went up to Deer Leap. And it was, a, it was during a time where it was sun, uh, you know, very sunny and the sun was setting and we went up there and we just spent a, I, only about an hour and a half up there as the sun was setting. But I could see all the way to the sea from there. Now, it wasn't hard work getting there. Well, it probably was dry, even driving because the lanes were so jolly narrow. And I kept meeting things like tractors on the way down. So, but the reality is, we were there and we could look out across this plain because that's the only way I can think of it. And then there was a big hill in the, in the distance. And then there was the sea behind it. And you could see all the way. And it was just beautiful. See... Paul has brought us to a place and he's just about to show us something beautiful. That's what he's going to do. He's going to tell us something beautiful. He's going to start talking about what are the fruits of justification. Not just you need to be justified by faith in Jesus. But he's going to start showing us the fruit. And therefore... That's what I want to just concentrate on for a few minutes this morning. I know that I've spoken and I've talked about peace already, but, you know, we have the first thing. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. I wonder what it was like in Gaza a few days ago when the shelling stopped to bring it into a modern day context. Not taking any particular side or political position. But I wonder what it was like when all of a sudden the bombing stopped. Peace. For a moment, fear can go you're not having to run and hide peace if I look around our world even in our own country sometimes we seem to lack peace peace I believe is a universal desire for most people people just want to live at peace they want to find peace. Doesn't matter whether we're people who worry 
have anxiety about our lives or whatever, the reality is what um, is being looked for is peace. And whilst a lot of us wouldn't necessarily say that we have been not at peace with God even before we find Jesus, the reality is that we couldn't find that thing that made us whole. It eluded us somehow. It says in Romans 8, 7, for the mind is, that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. The person who sets themselves against God, who is not interested and spends time excluding him from their life and doing the very best to not connect... They are at enmity with God. And sometimes in the busyness of life, until we reach that moment of real peace, we never realised how loud everything was. But at the moment that we find peace, all of a sudden we become aware of where we've been. You see, we become used to it. I used to live in a manse uh, when my father was leading the church in Cheltenham and we moved from being in an area called Charlton Kings in Cheltenham and we lived in a house called Ledmore, in Ledmore Road and it had a quarter of an acre of woods with it and it was very quiet there. And we moved onto a busy road, St George's Road in, in Cheltenham And we moved into the manse and there was a bus stop right outside the bedroom window. Well, having come from a house where there was no noise whatsoever to a house where a bus stopped every 10 minutes outside your window and maybe every 30 minutes through the night, it was really, really loud. And yet over a period of time, I managed to tune out that noise and I never even noticed it until we moved again and we moved to an area where there was no noise. And then all of a sudden, the peace became deafening. Do you understand what I mean? As we walk through this life, sometimes we tune out the things. It's not that there's peace around us, there isn't. But we tune them out and we think by tuning them out we will find peace. But we don't. And for me there is only one real way we can start to find true peace. And that is when we stop tuning out the noise and we come and we move our position to where there is perfect peace. In a few weeks' time, we, or yeah, on the 17th in the evening, we're having our carol service to which you're all invited. Six o'clock. And we will probably read from Isaiah. And there's a verse in Isaiah that we read regularly every year. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful 
counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. Prince of peace. When we come to Christ, we have peace with God. And when we have peace with God, we come into that place where there is no more discord with him. The word for peace used here is Irene. And I think that's how you pronounce it. It's probably not. Or Irene, I don't know. And has a sense of harmonious relations, freedom from dispute, especially during the absence of war. Peace. I'm no longer fighting against. I am simply resting. So we have peace. Then we have gained access into his grace. And I think this verse here, I love it as well. I, I, you know, this is a tremendous point. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Grace is the very foundation of our lives as believers. We stand in grace. We stand on grace. Jesus, you remember in John's gospel, what was he? Full of grace and truth. And if we are standing in grace, then we are standing in truth. Because Jesus is grace. Jesus is grace. We so often think of this book as the word of God, and I'm not saying it isn't, it is. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, all right? It is God's word, but Jesus is the living word. And it's in him we stand in grace. Only when we are with him do we stand in grace. Only by grace shall we enter. Only by grace we shall stand. Can't remember, what is it? Not by human endeavor, but by the blood of the Lamb. Grace. Grace. Grace and grace. We stand in grace. We stand and we have peace with God. In 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote these words, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We resist so often because we don't want to be dependent on anybody else but ourselves. We don't want to entrust ourselves to anybody. But when we stand in grace, we don't stand in anything that we can do of ourselves. We stand in what has been done for us. And God's grace is sufficient and we still might be weak and we still might stumble and fall. But the truth is, God's grace is sufficient for us. I want to give you an illustration. Charles III, our new king. 
Now, wouldn't it be great if we could just rock up at Buckingham Palace and press the doorbell and Charlie comes to the door and says, come on in, have a cuppa. Maybe he doesn't hear the doorbell, we could nip round the back and knock on the window and get his attention and basically, you know, sort of mouth to him, I want to come in, have a bit of cake, cup of tea with you, have a chat. But you know as well as I do, the chances of us being able to rock up and do that is next to none. One of those grenadier guards would have you in a headlock, if not shot you, before you got anywhere near the front door, especially if you didn't have the pass or you hadn't paid to go round Buckingham Palace. So we can't do that. But there is a way in which you can have an audience with the prince, or the, sorry, the king, sorry, King Charles, it's your king now, not a prince. There is a way you can have an audience with the king. You need someone to make an introduction for you who has the power of introduction. And that is exactly what is happening here. Jesus is making our introduction to the Father. He is bringing us from the outside in. Pam's beautiful illustration, which is a scriptural illustration of the, 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 the veil being rent in two from top to bottom and opened up. That was because Christ died on the cross and he cried out, it is finished, the veil was rent in two and that place which had been holy and kept away from everybody now became accessible to all. What a beautiful picture. Jesus made that introduction for us. Why can I come before the Father with confidence like Hebrews says? I can come by a new and living way and that new and living way is through Jesus and I can have an audience with the King of Kings. The King of Kings because the way has been made open to me. We don't have the right but with the right introduction we do. You and me have the right introduction this morning if we believe in Jesus. If we have put our faith in him, we have the right introduction. There is no reason why you can't walk boldly into his throne room and run up. And I want to go back to my illustration from the first thing this morning and jump on his lap. You know, when I had a study, if my kids came in, I mean, if I was talking to somebody, I would probably have initially looked at them rather sternly, thinking, why have you opened the door? You know? But I would never, because my kids are my kids, you want them to have free access to you. We were created to be his children. Finally, we have a hope that is steadfast and certain. We have the hope of glory, of the glory of God. What is the hope of the glory of God? For me, God's glory has been revealed in creation. God's glory has been revealed in Jesus. God's glory has been revealed in his death and resurrection. But one day, God's glory will be fully revealed 
it says that he will come on the clouds. He's coming on the clouds. His glory will be seen. Every eye will see him. Revelation 1.7. We're going to be changed into his glory. Changed. Transformed. 1 Corinthians 15.52. And we are to be the image of his glory. Philippians 3.21. I want to say to you. God's glory is great God's glory is where we should fix our eyes think about all those things which are honourable, pure holy, pleasing to God Colossians I think it is set your minds above set your minds above life might get tough at times but set your mind on things above See Christ in everything. Remind yourself that you're stood in his grace. Remind yourself that you have been justified by faith. Remind yourself that you have peace with God. And that in and of itself should encourage you. From that though, we should rejoice. We should rejoice. Now, for me, rejoicing is really worship. Why should I fall down and worship the king? Why? It's because when I see what is there for me, if it doesn't produce in me worship, there is something not right with me. I need to get right with God because... When you realise how sinful we are, and we all do deep down, we know. You don't have to teach a child when it's done wrong. It knows when it's done something that it shouldn't. The reality is, we know, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that there are things which are acceptable to God and things that are not and when we realise our predisposition for the things that do not please God and yet God still loves us, we still stand in his grace. It doesn't mean we're going out just sinning and doing what we like. But when we realise that, then there is something in us that should stir in worship and thanksgiving to God. So we rejoice in the hope of glory. And guess what? We rejoice in suffering. That one's a bit tougher, isn't it? When we're suffering. When things aren't going quite our way. Now, suffering here isn't just about, you know, having an ache or pain, not getting enough sleep at night. It's none of those things. But what it is, is when we live in a tribulation, we live where there is opposition and persecution of a hostile world. John Stott says this, God's people must expect suffering in the last days. Jesus warned his disciples that in this world they would have trouble, John 16, 33. Paul reminds us that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom, Acts 14, 22. Suffering is the path to glory. But there's two ways to approach suffering. 
There is the ascetic way where you just make yourself suffer because you think there's some value in it, which I genuinely don't think there is. Or when we do suffer, when we do come across that persecution, that hostility, when we do find a world which is hostile to us and we feel like aliens and strangers in the world in which we live, if we respond positively, if we don't allow anger and bitterness to take hold in our lives, then it will lead to glory and maturity. It says here that we will not be put to shame. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When we come to Jesus, we are sealed. According to Ephesians, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're set apart at that moment. We are sealed. It is confirmed. And so... Our suffering now is what produces in us the image of Jesus. It is the fashioning hand. It has divine purpose. Do you know, we are all guilty of it. We're all guilty. We're guilty when we think that things are going badly for us and we, we wonder where God is and we think that maybe he's forgotten us and just left us on the side and he's concentrating on the person over there who's getting blessed or seems to be but God hasn't forgotten you God is well aware maybe we need to learn to ask the question Lord what is it right now that you wish to teach me in this moment and like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Daniel when they were asked to bow to another God, there was hostility and persecution. The world around them did not like the fact that they had this almighty God who they served and they wouldn't bow the knee and they confidently made the statement, we will not bow the knee because our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we still ain't doing it. I'm still going to stand the lion's den, the, the fiery furnace. Imagine having to face those things and to take a stand. But the reality is they knew their father in heaven. They knew that he would do things that would be for their good, believe it or not. And we have a difficulty sometimes understanding the purposes of God. And we become angry with God because we feel it shouldn't be that way. But the truth is, God develops our character and if he's de developing my character, then he is able to take me right through to the very end. And he is able to bring me to a place where I will be with him forever. Eternity. I think I've mentioned this before just once, possibly twice. But at the beginning of Discipleship Explored, there's a guy from um, a country where persecution of Christians is an everyday affair. 
And he makes this statement which took my breath away. He said, I am praying for the church in the West to experience persecution. And when you first hear those words, you think, oh my goodness me. Surely that isn't a godly prayer, is it? But he goes on and he says, I don't pray that so that you would know what it is to suffer. But he does say, he goes to say, but I know you will never experience the full sweetness of Jesus until you do. Suffering is where God is made real to us. So when we feel that we're suffering, we should look to Jesus so he can be made real to us. Suffering should not be a surprise, but it is part of his plan. It is evidence of our union with Christ. Have you ever met people who don't know you, but there's something in you that they don't like? Have you ever met people like that where you've almost got this ready brick glow around you and you walk in and somebody is reacting to you and you haven't really said much? You haven't made any major statements of opinion about anything, but people are reacting. I believe that's God's spirit in us and their spirit and they meet even prior to us speaking, and sometimes we have a reaction. It shows when we do find ourselves in places where people turn against us and take against us for no apparent reason, that actually our lives might just be glorifying God and his spirit is there in us dwelling very richly. We need God. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. God's love is poured into our heart through the Holy Spirit that we have been given. The truth is, the best is yet to come. Whatever momentary, I think Paul said, whatever momentary sufferings that I experience in this life, basically the best is yet to come. Again, just to finish, Stott says, the hallmark of justified believers is joy, especially joy in God himself. We should be the most positive people in the world, for the new community of Jesus Christ is characterized not by self-centered triumphalism, which you can see a lot in evangelical churches often, but by a God-centered worship. God-centered worship. Let's just pray, shall we? Father God, I want to thank you for this hilltop, this fell top, this mountain top, where Paul just shows us a bit of the fruit of being justified that we have peace with you, that we stand in your grace, that we have a hope in your glory, not anything that we can do of ourselves or anything that is random, it's in your glory. And therefore it is not precarious, it is solid.
I want to thank you, Father. Even when we suffer, we can rejoice. Lord, make us a people who have a depth of relationship with you where we always rejoice. We always cry out with praise and worship because of what you have done for us. Lord, I thank you for the richness of your love and the gloriousness of your grace. Lord, this week, will you just help us to take time to meditate, to speak with you about it, and to ask you to show us how that plays out in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.